And Quentin Tarantino makes a movie in Hollywood about that and more on today's episode of The Real Review. So stay tuned. Welcome to The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of film and television. Everybody, I'm here with Joel Comic-Con VIP Cunningham. Oh, how I wish that were so. Yeah? Yeah. I, there's no such thing as VIP at Comic-Con. You discover that quickly. You got yeah. to experience the Marvel Phase 4 like debut. Yeah, which that in and of itself was definitely the best part. That's amazing. And it was really awesome. But what you don't get to hear about is the two days of waiting in line, (laughs) camping out, uh, showing up at four in the morning to walk around for an hour and a half before they officially put the line down and almost getting trampled and all that stuff. Yeah. So Because there is no VIP. Right. And even if there was, I probably wouldn't qualify right, or be right. able to afford You have to, to like literally it. be a famous person. Yeah, they changed the rules this year. We don't have to talk about this too much, but they changed the rules this year. Whereas in the past years, there was like a next day line. Yeah. And people would just get in line for that and yeah. then stay there for whatever day they were going to go in. Mm-hmm. So like if you're going to go Saturday, people get in line maybe Thursday and they would just wait in line until they got people in for Saturday. Yeah. It's kind of hard to explain. But this year they decided we don't want anybody doing that. They're only going to camp out for one day at most. And so they just randomly decided to change the location of the next day line every other day, like every day, basically. So people would show up at like three in the morning, four in the morning, and then you'd have to just walk around until they decided, okay, here's where the line is. So yeah, it was mass chaos. That is insane. Yeah. And they didn't communicate any of it. That was the main problem. Oh my gosh. Anyway, it was totally worth it in regards to being there for phase four. That that looks awesome. Technically, you got a bit of phase five announcements with Blade, right? Technically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they talked about doing uh, some other properties, the Fantastic Four. They talked about Uh, doing mutants and stuff. So there's Inklings and then Deadpool just released a little teaser thing where saying he might be in phase five. So we're seeing it. I think... um, a couple of people mentioned this and just specifically talking about the Marvel thing. Um, I was a little bit underwhelmed. It was really cool to be there and yeah. see the, the you know, tons of stuff that they're going to be releasing. Right. But there's really no tentpole type, like forward moving storyline stuff going on at this point. Right. You know, we're going to have a new Black Widow, but unfortunately she's like no longer with us. So it's going to be a prequel and we will have a Thor and we will have a, a Doctor Strange. But what there's no- if... What if at the end of this the uh, Black Widow movie, Loki mm. shows up with it's a tesseract, possible. grabs her, <laughs> brings her into the future? It's possible, except for what we've already heard, which is that you can't bring people back once they're dead from the stone. But what if? But we have Gamora, <laughs> so and we're doing the multiverse thing now. So uh, I I don't see any reason why they couldn't do something. Well, like not that. not officially. We aren't we aren't doing the multiverse. Oh, yeah, yes. that's what Loki is. That's yeah, what Loki yeah, yeah. is. Okay, okay, okay. And additionally, they talked about it, that Doctor Strange is going to be a part of the multiverse right. and stuff. And they hinted at it with Spider-Man. And like that was, they do this a lot of times, they'll kind of joke about an aspect, but then eventually it does become... I like... Like the um, real, like they joked about the Mandarin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now he's like a real, real thing. thing yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. They're, they're writing a wrong with that one, I think. Yeah. Um, they, um, 
I'm excited about the Doctor Strange movie and yeah. Scarlet Witch being a part of that. Mm-hmm. She's actually been one of my favorite people, I think, and like kind of low key, super powerful people. Yeah. And um, I'm excited that that's going to be like they're saying pitching it as a horror film. Yeah. Like um, a PG 13. So it's going to be a horror light, but it will still yeah. be the first of the Marvel films right. to be more horrific in yeah. nature. I think basically it'll be jump scares, but with not a lot of gore. Yeah. One I of my favorite like horror light movies, uh, PG-13 horror movies, is uh, Lights Out. Yeah. Um, I love that movie. <laughs> and um, it's it's really, really effective for only being PG-13. If yeah. they can make it something like that, that'd be super awesome. Yeah. I think um, the only reason I they've put a lot of this content, it's going to be behind the paywall of the Disney Plus, yep. which I'm sure like 90% of the world's going to yep. get Disney Plus just because yeah. the price and the content. Yep. Um, I want it, but yeah, I'm probably going <laughs> to get it too. Don't get me wrong, but it just, I think if they'd come out and they said, you know, we spent the last four, you know, three phases, many years developing this entire story, you know, de- decade, almost of films mm-hmm. developing this story arc. And so we want to give some time to slowly kind of like if they had prefaced it that way and said, we're going to move into the next right. story arc slowly and not just jump right into it, that would have been more awesome than right. them coming out and being like, this is going to be insanity, right. crazy, because the the content's like mostly shows, there's an animated show, there's a couple of films with characters that we know and love, but there's no big bad guy, there's no big story arc or anything like that. Right. And that and might I, go in there, don't get me wrong. They might they might like introduce that aspect of it when yeah. you get the first couple of films. Um but like yeah, like you're right. There's no like at the end of phase one we get Avengers, right? You know, it's it's exactly like new Avengers or whatever they want to call right. it. Right. I'm know? sure still a ton of people go see their films that come out in theaters, but nobody's going to be like, oh my gosh, the new Loki show is starting right. on Disney Plus, and like that's going to be like thousands of people talking about that and stuff. It's probably just going to be you know content that comes out over the course of a number of years. Yeah, for sure. So I'm excited for it, but at yeah. the same time. We, I think a lot of the excitement is just because you're you're in the room and you're seeing mm-hmm. these stars and this content and you're the yeah. first to hear about it and and so it's just it's fun in that way. But yeah. and who yeah, am I today, Joel? <laughs> oh yeah, I totally forgot. <laughs> I am here. I'm messing up what I'm saying. I'm here with Matt Red Apple. Hey, Red Apple. Hey. Yes. If you're familiar what you enough saying? with the Quentin Tarantino universe, then that oh. will make sense to you. I'm okay. not a huge fan of the Quentin Tarantino verse. There's some projects I really like of his and others I'm just like, meh. So, but we're going to talk about Quentin Tarantino. My mind just went down a rabbit trail here. Quentin Tarantino, I associate with Uma Thurman, whom I associate now with Stranger Things season three as in Robin, who is the daughter of Uma Thurman and uh, Ethan Hawke. Six degrees to Quentin. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, crazy. Yes. That's one of those, uh, he ties in different things in his, because he's creating, in a sense, a like a Quentin-verse, yeah. where it's like retellings of well-known things that kind of happen. His 10th film's going to be his thing. Yeah, like if you look at Inglorious Bastards, or you look at you know this film, there's mm-hmm. like little things like Big Kahuna Burger and stuff that tie in. Yeah. So um, maybe that's kind of what he's been doing and mm-hmm. working on, but we'll talk about the film. Yeah. totally cool anyways everybody welcome to the show i know we had a little bit of a hiatus a couple weeks again but it was mainly because joel (laughs) is hanging out at comic-con yeah and uh he's getting a lot of really cool information um Mm -hmm. but anyways if you knew the show kind of how this works joel's maybe a little bit more uh critic critical critic you're more (laughs) of a critic like what like a critic critic yeah i'm critical yeah critical yeah uh less optimistic (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Maybe negative. Like Marvel, you're like, yes. oh my gosh, Marvel. And I'm like, yeah, Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, Star Wars, you're like, me, Star Wars. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I'm like maybe more of a fan critic, more like, was it exciting? Maybe more emotional, optimistic, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Willing to overlook some glaring things sometimes that maybe Joel can't get over. But then we kind of... <laughs> blend those together give you us in a sense a real review and we're all learning along the way here yeah um but yeah that's kind of how that works joel why don't you tell everybody how they can get connected with us for sure matt so we have our website which is realreviewmedia.com which we uh, post all of our episodes as they come out onto the website so it's a great way to get connected if you're looking for a centralized place to do so uh we also have our facebook which is facebook.com slash real review media where we're posting trailers and reactions and new content as it comes out uh doing our best to stay as up on that as we can um and then additionally we have our instagram and twitter which are both at real review media uh, which again there's cross promoting and stuff going on between those so get connected we have our youtube which is youtube.com slash the real review we're not posting too much right now on our youtubes just because it's no time yeah. and there's not it's a crazy lot town to do yep. yep and then last but not least we'd love to hear your thoughts and perspectives especially with all the news of different things that are coming out uh marvel verse and you know even the walking dead starting back up and all this other stuff and all oh, right yeah I'm so behind on that one. i am totally behind but hey you know they uh they announced two films one's gonna be theatrical release yeah yeah they two films with Rick in yeah. them after he left the show and Michonne's leaving the show so they're thinking that Michonne's going to be in the films and the comic book just ended so but anyway that's a Crazy. whole side okay. thing yeah but uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts and perspectives shoot us an email realreviewmedia at gmail.com definitely it, thanks for thanks for dropping that on us no worries um, <laughs> yeah so we got two films we're going to review today uh, first one we both got a chance to see and uh, want to talk about it because it just crossed a billion dollars and it's only been out like a week and a half you ain't lying <laughs> hey, hey. hey. alright All right, so the first one is <laughs> The Lion King um, if you've never heard of this film before let me break it down for you after the murder of his father spoiler a young <laughs> lion prince flees his kingdom only to learn the true meaning of responsibility and bravery directed by John Favreau uh, it's kind of a tough one it's written by because you got the original like credits for like some of the stuff and the new credits anyways um, <laughs> but yeah a pretty massive cast Every, everyone from Chuyatel Ejiofor John Oliver James Earl Jones amazing John Ka- Connie Kenny. John uh, Kenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have uh, Seth Rogen, Billy Eichner, Chance the Rapper. You got Beyonce. Keegan Michael uh, Key. Yeah, a bunch of people. Eric Andre, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people in this, and I could go on and on, I feel like. But, anyways, this is this is the quote unquote uh, live action treatment of the original. Mm-hmm. And I will say that this is literally. Almost literally, a live action duplication yeah. of the original. Yeah, right. In, in some, in in many ways, yes. There's maybe one scene. Yeah, that's like that's like never been seen before. One scene. Uh, There's I don't one wanna, scene. It's it's uh, Nala. See yeah. that jumps really into my my more negatives with this film. So really, I don't know if we want to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's do this then. Let's let me just start off with an. I thought this movie was good. Okay. I didn't think it was amazing. Yeah. I and I, I I will say the highlights of this movie for me, Timon and Pumbaa. I really loved Billy Eichner <laughs> as yeah. Timon. Yeah. He had a lot of really good lines in there um that I was I was laughing out loud. Yeah. Um uh, Seth Rogen as Pumbaa was, was amazing too. Yeah. Um 
I, I love the animation. Looks amazing. Yeah. There was multiple times. Uh, I feel like the the CG gets it better in the daytime for some reason than it does at nighttime. Mm. But I really, really liked it. I thought it looked awesome. Um, and the story was really great. I mean, like the I that was one of my favorite cartoons growing up. I watched The Lion King a bajillion times as yeah. a kid. Um, and I saw it in the theaters. Remember loving it, having to have all the toys and all this stuff. But I um, this movie I thought was really, really good. Um, and there was something that kept me from thinking it being great, and I don't know what it was. Maybe so you thought it was really, really good. I thought it was really good. Okay, really okay. good. But I didn't think it was great. Okay. Um, I liked all the voice acting. I liked all that stuff. I'm just trying to figure out where that lies There's, on like there, the mat review yes, meter. <laughs> really, really good. Guys, versus you know great. what? I could change my tune on this <laughs> yeah. in the next 10 minutes. Okay. But, because yeah. I'm more emotional. Yes. And it could fluctuate a little bit. <laughs> so I think... Uh, I think it was powerful in a lot of those regards. I think they, um, and I've heard this before, and it it is a little bit true, but they didn't show a lot of em- emoting yeah. on the animals. And that does, I mean, you see that in a cartoon, but what are you going to do? You can't do that a lot on a live action yeah. animal. But at the same time, I'm like, they're talking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're talking animals. Yeah. Make them emote more. Yeah. Um, the biggest emotion was where uh, Timon seen, sees Nala for the first time, yeah. like chasing him. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. And he's like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> like you see his eyes widen like that. Yeah. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I thought it was really good. Um, not great, not amazing, but really good. Yes. Okay. Um, and that's kind of where I land with it. And I, I think it might, part of it just might be because I miss some of the elements of the old one. This mm-hmm. is, n- the nostalgia is kind of a hard thing for me to escape on this one. Yeah, I that's, agree. I think that's probably where I'm landing with it. And, um, and maybe as you talk and get some more ideas as to how, that why I can't fully flesh out your feelings on it yeah exactly i i think i i had more of a mixed experience it sounds like than you there was definitely some elements that i that i really appreciated about this one Mm -hmm. it did feel like they did their homework they took the time to really do the photorealism photorealism uh as best they could yeah and that showed there was like elements at times where i'm like is that i can't even tell if that's like real or fake or if they're cging i don't know the opening shot Um, i was like that looks like there's an actual camera in the savannah of africa like with the sun rising i was like yeah absolutely and certain certain voice actors Mm -hmm. i think really again nailed it Mm -hmm. with this one like the original um i Love Donald Glover. I thought Beyonce Knowles was great. I thought Scar was good. Um, I liked Seth Rogen. I liked <clears throat> Keegan Michael Key. James Joel Jones. Once yeah. again, I mean, it's kind of hard to go wrong with James. Joel Anytime Jones, he talked, I was like Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think there were some elements that um, I don't know. The, the, I liked that they didn't try to do exactly the same thing in a certain way. Especially with the, some of the songs, you could tell that they were trying to approach this from a more uh, simple perspective is the best way I could put it. Um, yeah, like totally. the Be Prepared Scar song, which in the first film is so like, you know, Nazi marching yeah, 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 and yeah. strong lines and da 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 There's like a yeah. whole band backing him. This one kind of builds up very slowly. It was and kind it, of a, a talk. Yeah, it was like more of talk, like a rally a the troop type yeah. thing than it and was. Then, and then at the last couple of seconds, he was like, be prepared. Yeah, you know. which I love that song, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorites from the original Lion mm-hmm. King. But I, I just, I think I can appreciate that they were trying to create a more, I don't know, 
uh, fitting style with the music than yeah. just doing this big, gigantic, like, you know, zebras bouncing on top of elephants. And, you know, <laughs> they were trying to go more natural oh, with it man. and real. Um, that's kind of, I'd say, where most of my happiness with this film ends. Sure. Um, do you want me to dip into the negatives? Dip into no? the okay. negative, Joe. Right get for it. Um, get it. Get it. Get it. I really felt like understanding why they did it this this felt like a nature documentary and i the thing is i love the disney nature documentaries there's mm-hmm. a lot of fun i've seen a couple of them um, my favorite one is like the penguin one um it really felt like a nature documentary where they tried to have people do voiceover acting for the different scenes and because of that you mentioned this briefly but there's a reason why they anamorphize the cartoons and mm-hmm. they make the cartoon animals look more like humans and act more like humans than like the animal counterpart that they're supposed to be right. because it's through the anamorphism and stuff like I'm you never look at a line and you go oh you can tell right now that line is like excited or you know maybe somewhat angry you angry yes, yes. <laughs> they did anger really well with yes. the lions in this film like you can tell they're snarling they're yeah. angry or they'd be like a little bit playful or something like yeah. that but the problem with it is it like in the original film Every emotion made made itself very clear, mm-hmm. and it was very easy to connect with the characters because it's like, oh, they're happy, they're sad, they're angry, they're upset, they're mad, da da da. This one, it was like, I can tell if they're normal or if they're angry, right? Most so of the time, the because that, it's no no way that I can look at their face and understand what's going on in their head. Sorry, the one that stands out to me is is when Mufasa's like, "You deliberately disobeyed me," yeah, and, and like and like Simba, I remember in the in the cartoon you know he's like you see his like his whole his mannerism shame yeah. and his sadness he and shrinks his nervousness down, yeah his ears go back yeah, yeah. this one get... he just kind of looks like normal and then walks to his yeah. dad you know like i was like oh okay well. and again it just looked like they were filming two lions that were out in the savannah and, and I then get they just it. i get it. they're trying talk. to find a, a medium and i feel like they're like well how can we make it more realistic i know they're talking which isn't yeah. realistic but how do we make you know kind of a thing i get that but that's not that wasn't interesting to me sure you know it, it didn't do anything for the actual emotion of the scenes that made this better mm-hmm. in any way from the original the original i felt much more connected to the characters even though they were cartoons yeah because i felt like i was connecting with where they were emotionally a much yeah. more of the time um so that was a pretty big negative for me i mean immediately right there just it knocks the film down a notch because i i don't feel like i can understand where these characters are at right um, secondarily, uh, some of the voice acting I liked. Some of it I really personally didn't yeah. like too much, especially Young Simba. I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't want to bash on the the kid, but yeah. I mean, there was numerous times where I'm like, that, that's the best they've got. That's the best. That's the take they're gonna go with. I mean, <laughs> the scene and you know, spoilers if you haven't seen the original Lion King, but the scene where Mufasa's falling, yeah. Um, and the kid, you know, young Simba shouts and he's like, no, it yeah. sounded like he just like dropped an iPad or something. It, it wasn't like he was like in the original, he's like, no, nah. you know, he, there's like an intensity you that were he's missing losing Jonathan something. Taylor Thomas. I was totally missing. <laughs> it just, it felt like he was more of like, I'm just here right. to enjoy and talk and say what I normally would in my normal way, but it didn't really feel like I was getting a lot of emotion. But some of that is partnered up with the visuals. Yeah. I know that like yeah. if they had had a stronger visual style, it would oh, have totally. been easier and better. Um, but it, it the overall lacking of empathizing and connecting with the characters because it looks like I'm just watching animals in a nature documentary right. mixed with some of the annoyance. I I I personally didn't like Timon. Really? I, yeah, I thought that he. Well, I thought he was funny. <laughs> his 
I don't know what I could actually put my finger on saying he didn't make me laugh. The change in my name. What do you mean, like Brad? <laughs> yeah, it just it felt like what they were trying to do with that was like you know this this Timon that you're all familiar with. Hey, let's do this kind of Timon instead. You know, let's take the jokes that you know and the the style they that did, you know of they Timon did a, and go into a lot of the different... a lot of the scripting was the same though. Well, too. they would playfully change it, yeah. like the part where he's about to say break wind. Yeah. And, yeah. And then they all, and he's like, you're not going to stop me. Like yeah. I, they played with it at different times and they cut things out. They cut things, simple things that kind of made the story move. And I think a more interesting direction and pacing wise that made the whole film feel, um, again, more of just like this portrayal of just animals doing stuff, mm-hmm. you know, in this version of it. Um, there was a reason why Scar song was the length that it was because mm-hmm. it, it, you get into the emotion of the scene and the intensity of it. Yeah. Whereas with this one, it was like three minutes where he's talking to the hyenas, and then mm-hmm. it's like this whole big thing going on. Yep. Um, I also wasn't a huge fan of John Oliver as Zazu. He kind of annoyed me all the way uh, through, which, again, the character is designed to sure. be more of an annoying character, but that's more because of the way he acts in the script, not because of the voice acting. Right. Um. I liked Keegan Michael Key. I liked it, like I said, Donald Glover, Beyonce. I loved Scar. Um, Chuet, Chuet, Chuyatel Ejiofor. Chua, there you go. I liked him. Uh, I actually liked Seth Rogen as well. Yeah, as Pumbaa. I thought he did a good job with it. But I don't know. They, I could go into more detail, but I'd have to break down into the actual plot and talk about like beat for beat what Bob happened in different scenes. But yeah. it, it kind of felt like each scene they were like doing a simplified version of the moments that happen with okay. the characters, and I think. Hugely, if I was able to connect with them better, it would have been like, yeah, ten times better. So I think that's probably my thing too, and, and I, I know I mentioned as much. I think it's just a, a lack of emotional connection mm-hmm. because you don't see the emoting. Well, like for me, it, anyways. This is where it's difficult because if you're trying to do a nature documentary and show the animals as realistic as they can be, like right. instead of just Scar just pushing Mufasa off and letting him loose, he like does the stupid like batting him in the head like a lion would. If you're trying to be realistic in that way, then there's so many other aspects of this film that you go, well, how come that's realistic, but that's you're like letting I'm that talking. happen? <laughs> uh, no, more than more than that. I mean, the way that yeah. they would just the hyenas would just partner up with the lion and become best buds, or the way that all the other animals would recognize that the lions are like the king of the jungle, mm-hmm. and they would have this like, you know, why would they have this relationship with a monkey where he comes and he puts this this baby lion out in front of everybody like why would you do these things if you're just doing real animals yeah you know there's a reason why they tried to make this anamorphic it's because they were imbuing human elements in there and so it felt like a weird combination of like well this is animalistic enough that we can let that be in there but this isn't so we're gonna get rid of those things and it just felt very weird it felt very disjointed and Mm. and kind of like disconnected i guess is the best way of saying it so um, you either it, to me, it's like you got to go one way or another. You either got to go, either got to go really animals that are being animals and acting a certain animalistic sure. way, or you got to be like these are not your everyday animals that yeah. <laughs> you know you're gonna interact with, and when you go on a safari right. or something like that. And it, it felt like they were trying to have their cake and eat it too in a very weird way. Oh yeah, that's the best way I could put it. I love cake. I like cake too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So what would you rate this thing? Uh, I'm actually gonna give this one a 73. Okay. Um, I'm a little higher. I'm going to give it a, hmm. I'm going to give it an 80. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah. 
I was on the fence of 79.80, but I think I enjoyed it enough to be at an 80. So Yeah, and I should say, I, I'd like a lot. I don't want to talk too much more about it. Sure. I like the original Lion King yeah. a lot, you know, and maybe that was a bad thing because I went in with different expectations and I should have just been like, eh, don't even think about it as the Lion King, just think about it as its own <laughs> thing, you know. Yeah. As a nature documentary with animals that talk. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, uh, 73 for you, 80 for me. Um, moving on to the next film. And this is a uh, big release from Quentin Tarantino himself. I didn't get a chance to see this one, but you did. And I'm curious because I wanted to see it. I just didn't have time to see it. Yes. So uh, break it down for us, Joel. Cool. We're talking about Once Upon a Time dot, dot, dot in Hollywood. In Hollywood. And I emphasize the dot, 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 actually. Uh, (laughs) The uh, synopsis for this one, a faded television actor and his stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969, L.A., Directed and written by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, it's got a lot of pretty big name actors, I guess, at this point in their career in the film. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton, Brad Pitt as Cliff, Never heard of Cliff them. Booth. Yeah, they're kind of the big two. Um, Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. Uh, Luke Perry is in there. Dakota Fanning, Al Pacino. Uh, you've got Kurt Russell who's briefly in there. Um, Margaret Qualley briefly in there. Timothy Oliphant. Uh, there's a lot of pretty big name actors that kind of yeah. pop in and out throughout the course of the film. It takes place over the course of like, I want to say maybe a year or so. Even Robin is briefly in the film. Oh, really? So, yeah, Stranger Things. That's Not cool. actually Robin, Maya Hawk. Yeah, um, yeah, But yeah. So I went into this one. It, it's hard to know what to expect in a certain sense with a Quentin Tarantino film. He is well known in the industry for his stylistic um, exploitative exploitative type cinematography where things tend to be very heightened uh, intensity, heightened violence and gore. And so I'd been hearing mixed opinions about this film though. So yeah, I tried to go in with generally an open mind towards the film. And I have a bit of a mixed experience with Quentin Tarantino films as well. I think some of his, did you like Inglorious um, Bastards? I didn't. Really? Yeah. I love that movie. So a lot movie. of people like that one. <laughs> I didn't really like it oh, all man. that much. I liked elements of okay. it. There was parts of it, with it, especially with the dialogue, yeah. um, that I really enjoyed. Um, and, you know, uh, you're kind of, you, you're divided in like sort of one of two camps in a sense with sure. Tarantino. You either like, you like the Kill Bill part one or you like the Kill Bill part two. I see, I love both of them. See, I liked part two, but I didn't really like part one. And oh. most of the people I talked to liked part one, but they didn't like part two. Nobody likes both of them? Yeah, generally not oh. from what I see. You well, know, I thought they make like a yeah. kind of And there's certain thing. there's certain Quentin Tarantino films that most people like, Pulp Fiction. Like mm-hmm. I really enjoy Pulp Fiction. That's kind of his claim to fame, I guess, if he really launched his career in right. a lot of ways with making types of films. Um, this one... Really, the problem with it, to me, is nothing happens. <laughs> and that's why I keep saying the dot, dot, dot. Um, <laughs> great acting. Yeah. Um, very interesting shot choices at times. Not, I don't mean like interesting like in a bad way. I mean, just he, he at times would try and do some interesting things with pushes and yeah. angles and, and tilting camera and stuff like that. And there were some fun shots as well and some fun ways that he kind of played with the timeline of this where it almost turned it into more of a fantasy. Like the film would just break into a commercial, you know, or would show um, Rick Dalton's acting at a different time period, you know, in another project that he was a part of, they'd talk about it and then they'd show it. And some of that was fun. I I enjoyed kind of the timeliness of it and the the era 
And even though I wasn't, sure. you know, watching TV in that era, it was just fun to kind of see the the modern day actors. Yeah. A few times they like inserted them, inserted them, inserted them into those projects like digitally. So yeah. it looked like they actually took place and it wasn't perfect. Like you could tell that yeah. a bit of that was like, you know, done post, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that was pretty cool. But really, honestly, you're watching this film and it's gone on for about two hours and they, there's like three or four times where they kind of set something up that it might happen yeah, and nothing happens and you keep going, oh, oh, here, oh no, that's not it. Oh, well, this is it. Here we go. Oh, and then and it, it happens like that a few times. And I wish I could say that it felt like that was um, done with a good intention or that there was a reason for that being in the script. Sure. But it really, it just almost felt like he was just kind of like doing that to do that. Like he just wanted to kind of like make you think, ah, there's something going to be there. And then, nope, there wasn't anything. Because overall, nothing really happens in the film for, like I said, about the first two hours. And then finally, things build and build and build. And I've seen, there's times where Quentin Tarantino has done this very effectively. There was a, a movie, I think it's called Three Rooms or something like that, about that he shot one of them. And it does this, it's a very, it's a short, it's a series of short films that all take place in the same hotel. Okay. With this one like guy that sort of is the night night operator for manager the hotel. Night manager, yeah. And it builds, the scene, the film that he shot for that, the short film that he shot for that, builds beautifully into this, like, crescendoing, like, finality. Yeah. Whereas this one, it just meanders, and it just kind of, like, wanders, like, now this is happening, now that's happening, that's kind of funny, and that's cute, and that's interesting, and, you know, that's kind of sad. But (laughs) there's no real interesting, um, there's no real, like, emotional heights. There's really just, like, these slightly impacting emotional moments. That go into a bonkers ending. Yeah, I was gonna say the ending. I heard the ending's divisive, pretty divisive. Well, don't I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. But it's similar to it's divisive in the same way that maybe Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it, it goes <laughs> but along. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it goes along with this idea that you know he's sort of creating his own world yeah. of Quentin Tarantino ness. It's like historical, but not. Yeah. Yeah. And. It, it, I, I'm never a big fan of that. That's the thing. I'm never a big fan of. The ridiculously over-the-top gore violence yeah. fest that Quentin Tarantino at times can move into—that's mm-hmm. his style. And yeah. if you like that, you're gonna like it. Yeah. For me, it was like I didn't really need to waste two hours just to get to this because the stakes are what the stakes are. The only reason that there's even stakes in that moment is because you know what these characters are supposed to be doing, right? Because of the historical connection to mm-hmm. them as characters. So once you move past. That, though, there's, like, no real... You're like, okay, well, the story of the main characters is pretty much done at this point. Right. They're moving on, and now we're just kind of putting, like, this, like... It's almost like if you read this entire book and nothing really happens, and then there's, like, an epilogue, and in the epilogue, they go, and now everybody gets blown up, and it's horrible (laughs) and violent and visceral and all these crazy... And it just felt so unnecessary to me mm. um, that it just really created a bad viewing experience because I'm like, oh, why would I waste? I could literally just have seen three or four scenes of this yeah. and then the end and then it would have been that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, 30 minutes. Yeah. And <laughs> it would have been much better. You know, they isn't waste, it like 245? Yeah. Two hours and four? Yeah. yeah it's like I mean, three, it's right? a long film in and of itself, but then to add on to that, that there's nothing that's really happening except for good acting yeah. and interesting shot choices. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, if this had just been about the first chunk of the plot, mm-hmm. then people would probably just be like, yeah, nothing really happens. And right. I think it's going to get good ratings from people that are Quentin Tarantino fans. Right. It's going to get good ratings from critics because 
it's about Hollywood right. in the 1960s, and right. those films always do well. Um, but they wasted Margot Robbie. Oh yeah, you know what okay. I mean. She's it's not like she does a bad job in the film, but her role in it was so pointless. Huh. And a lot of people were saying that that's like there's something wrong with that because of the story, the original story of what in right. real life happens with Sharon Tate. But in right. the context of the film, it's just it's not necessary. Sure, it's done well in the film, but like. She's, she really honestly doesn't really even need to be in the film right, right, for the right, most right. part. She's only there because, again, you understand the historical context of yeah. what's supposed to happen to her. So I just didn't like it. I don't like the Not idea of doing okay. an entire film just to go, gotcha. Yeah. It just, it not one this long, not that one this, that, that does this little yeah. throughout. So no, I gotcha. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting. I still want to check it out because I feel like, I feel like Quentin Tarantino is like an event filmmaker kind of. So you kind of, yeah. I mean, not like to the That's level. what I was expecting though. Right, right, right. You know, so I was I'm, expecting spectacle and yeah. fun and quirkiness and craziness. Because he's a quirky like dude. So like, yeah. I, I feel like, I, I'm going to see it. I just, I just, interesting to hear that. So maybe yeah. I can temper my expectations a little bit going into it and see how I feel about it. Yeah. And then, and then reconvene. And yeah. Then, see, a lot of people dislike Hateful Eight. Right. Because they feel like it just kind of, Nothing really happens. Right. It's just about a bunch of people in the cabin. Yeah, I liked it. I I thought it was good because yeah. it was just it was a character dive. It just dived into these different characters mm-hmm. and then resulted in certain things happening. Did you see the ways. Netflix re-release of Hateful Eight? No, I did. Supposedly, they added, supposedly they added it and changed up some of the stuff to it to yeah. make it more of like a series yeah. format. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah. I, that's just to say that like I can enjoy a Quentin Tarantino film yeah. where it's more simple. And things just kind of happen. Yeah. But this one just really didn't pay off gotcha. in any in- interesting, cool way. But I'd love to hear your thoughts, Matt. I'd love to have you check yeah, it out. Yeah, I got I to check it out. I will check it out. It's just going to be a little bit of time because, you know, yeah. two hours, 45 minutes. Which, yeah. by the way, first of all, let's get a grade on this. Okay. I, I'm, I was like trying to bat it back and forth. <laughs> I think I'm actually going to give it a 70. Oh, okay. I was thinking closer to D. Yeah. But the acting is really good. The the production design is really good. The cinematography is really good. But the story is just so whatever. Yeah. It's, it's Quentin Tar- Tarantino's Much yeah. Ado About Nothing. I do, pretty much. I don't plan <laughs> on ever watching it again. Yeah. So in that sense, it's a D type film. Sure. But there's enough good production elements that I think it's it's a oncer it is a, what it is it's a oncer yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I gotcha so, I yeah. gotcha what were you gonna say interesting uh, that uh, we learned right now the cut of It Chapter 2 is 2 hours and 45 minutes long yes it's huge that's insanity <laughs> yeah my sister so I didn't get a chance to do this but my sister and uh, boyfriend Daniel yeah uh, at Comic Con got to go to the uh, they showed the clips yeah yeah the Conan hosted event it was like the scare house or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. that he hosted and they showed a ton of clips from the actual movie, she said they showed like almost like thirty minutes worth of clips, and oh she said gosh. all of it was amazing. Yeah, so I think it's something the you trailer can be is about. terrifying too. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. there's a whole scene where you're like, "That's gonna be Georgie all over again." Yeah, and I'm <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh my gosh!" In that like fun house or whatever. Yeah. Oh man, brutal. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah. So let us know, guys, if you if you enjoyed uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or The New Lion King, if, it, if we're way off base, let us know. Yeah. If you uh, if those were your favorite movies of the year and we just totally got it wrong, tell us. Again, you can email us at realreviewmedia at gmail.com. Reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at 
Real Review Media, and then youtube.com uh, slash The Real Review. Um, all of those fun things. Email us um, and let us know what you guys thought mm-hmm. about it. And uh, we're going to try and catch some more flicks this week. I know I'm going to yeah. try and uh, catch Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> See how that goes. Actually, Matt, it's Actually. titled Fast and Furious Presents. Stupid. <laughs> I'm not going to call it that. <laughs> I'm like, why would you just call it Hobbs and Shaw? It was Hobbs <laughs> and Shaw for a long time. I know. I don't get I it. I think they added that to be like, hey, this is connected. It's, Do you guys remember the Fast and Furious movie? Yeah. This is connected. Anyways, In case anybody forgets. Whatever. It's, yeah. <laughs> Um, anyways, let us know. But uh, uh, if you if you got plans to see that as well, um, do you have anything else, Joel? For no, us, I um, I am hoping you get to join us for ComCon next year, though, Matt. I want to. I know it's just difficult, you know, life and jobs. Yes, life and jobs and kids, uh, kids. And stuff. Yes, and totally stuff. get it. All the totally stuff. Anyways, uh, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, let us know if there's anything coming up that you want us to see um, that you're excited for. And uh, we'll chat with you later. All right. Uh, nothing else? Nope, I'm good. Cool. Well, it's been real. It's been real. <laughs>